Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Well, life can be challenging, but you've tuned into the right program today. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. It's going to be fun. Open your Bible. Let's learn something today that will help you manage your life. Enjoy today's study. I want to talk today about um, what I call one of the most important parts of the series. If you're not comfortable talking about money, you're going to have trouble making money growing and finance growing financially you're going to have trouble rerouting your financial river because you can't talk about it it's at the core of god's ability to help us but a lot of us are very uncomfortable we don't like to share much but i've learned over the years especially in this job that i have to be open i have to be open to counsel i have to be open to advice because if i'm not there're just too many blind spots And so what I've done is I've narrowed this down for you this month to four adjustments that will help reroute your financial river. If you want your financial river to be strong, you have to to make sure these four things are in place. Now, the last one we'll talk about today, which is adjusting your comfort with money discussions. Sit with me, please. Adjusting your comfort with money discussions. I call this today getting comfortable talking about money because that's exactly what I hope to do. And I hope you get to the place that you see the value in it and, and the way it can change your life. But today we talk about conversations. This whole talk today is about money, conversations. And there are three conversations God had about offerings and giving. Now, I combine these two because I think it's important to start with Adam and Eve because that was the first sign of someone giving an offering to God or giving something that they grew or had to God. Uh, and, and the best illustration of this is in Cain and in the, in the children of Adam and Eve. Uh, obviously, in their family, uh, they had times of sacrifice. They understood from God how to bring a sacrifice to God. After Adam and Eve fell in Genesis chapter 3, uh, you, you have their kids show up in Genesis chapter 4. And in this, in this um, family, you, you see them bringing, as a family, individually brought offerings to God. All of them brought a blood offering to God, which, would, which validates in the New Testament, not New Testament, well, New Testament, but also in, in the book of um, Exodus, where you saw this great teaching by Moses as to how to offer a sacrifice to God. You saw it in Abraham's life. You saw it, you saw it in other places. But in Genesis chapter, three, chapter 4, is the first time you have a family coming to God, bringing an offering. And, and the offering that was brought in, in chapter 4 that's highlighted is not Adam and Eve's offering. The, the offering that's highlighted in chapter 4 is Cain and Abel. They're the first ones and that are highlighted. Now, in chapter 3, you do have, um, when, when they were, before they were clothed, uh, God gave them uh, a, a, a skin, so an animal had to be killed. And so there was a model for them that, you know, in order for you to be clothed, I clothed you with animal skin. So the animal was sacrificed for you. So the first real sacrifice wasn't even described. But when you get to chapter 4, you see their children acting on what they obviously knew. And so everyone understood, obviously, that you bring God a sacrifice a certain way, a blood sacrifice, an animal. But Cain didn't want to do that. Cain is a guy who said, 
I don't want to do that. I have my own way. And that's why this conversation is so important. God told them what to give him. God did not let them choose. Now, I don't know if you ever have kids and they pick your gifts. I just want you to pause and think about that for a second. Most of you say, let me tell you what I want so we won't have any problems. Because most of the time, your kids will not get you what you need. Their, their definition of giving is a bit different. I want to say, without God's advice, we wouldn't give him what he wanted. And so God had conversations. And I want you to listen to a conversation about an offering that was given to God that he didn't like. Here's what happened. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Adam, and Eve, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then, he, then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep. What did Abel keep? Sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, I want to pause there and say this. If Abel wanted to offer a sheep, it was easy. That's what he kept. Cain was a man of the ground. He had fruit and stuff. So I want you to listen to what, what happened. Verse 3, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, that sounds reasonable because it's what he had. It's all he had. He had to go and barter with his brother or someone else to get sheep. But he's going to his God, and so he feels like his God should take what he has because that's what he has. I grow fruit. I don't grow sheep. He gets to bring you what he has. I get to bring you what I have. You should love us the same. Now, I want you to follow the reasoning. Well, notice what happens. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. Notice he knew what to bring. He had to be told this. He wouldn't know this on his own. Now, if you read, the new, read on in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, you see this same pattern. Bring me the firstborn of the flock. So Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering. But he did not respect Cain in his offering. Now, so obviously there was a way they knew one offering was received one offering was not. And Cain was very, what? Angry. And his countenance fell. Now ask yourself the question. Same question that God asked him in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, read it with me, please. Come on. Why are you angry? Say it again. Come on. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, if you do what it tells you to do, you'd be accepted. It's just a matter of complying with what I've asked you to do. Now, I want you to listen to this. If you do well, sin lies at the door. Now, there's a lot of interpretations of that. Some people believe that there's two ways to look at that. Some people believe it's, it's God saying the word sin there is really sin offering. That God showed him a sheep and said, there's one right there. Go get it. It's desirous for you. 
that, that, that sheep is waiting for you. Won't fight you, won't run. Um, and you shall rule over it. Go get it. So God gave him a way out. That's how some people interpret this. Second way to interpret this is there's sin in your heart. If I didn't receive you, there's something at the door of your heart. Why don't you just submit? Sin is trying to dominate your life. It's desires to control you. But you should take charge over it. Either way you look at it, he was offering him a way out. That's the one I want you to see. He was offering him a way out of this moment. But what are we fighting with here? We're fighting with a man who doesn't like it. He disagrees with God. God asked for something specific. He said no. Here's how you know that, verse 8. Cain talked with God, right? No. God asked the question, why are you angry? God spoke to him. There is no response to God. None. He says nothing in response. You ever talk to your kids and they don't answer you? Where were you? Pause, 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 pause. Um, excuse me, let me say this again. Where were you? Why are you upset? Why are you having an attitude? Pause, 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 pause. So here you, here's this moment. He says nothing to God. He walks away from the conversation. No, no recorded response. And it's all because he offered something to God that God didn't ask for. Verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Came to pass when they were in the field. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Okay, explain that. What did Abel do to you? Misapplied anger. He did nothing to you. And now you've killed him over what? So, so now we have a problem. <laughs> a problem. All because he doesn't like what God told him to give him. Are you like that? Are you the kind of person who tells God what you will offer him? Are you open to a conversation? <laughs> Excuse me, a conversation. A conversation where you consider that maybe, maybe your definitions are not his. Cain was not willing to go out of his way to offer God what he asked for. I think that's fascinating. I think it's amazing. Which brings me to the second conversation in the Bible, which I thought was fascinating. The second conversation is between Moses and the Levites. Numbers chapter 18, verse 21. Now, this again is going to be a conversation where God's going to tell them what to give him. Because I want you to get a big picture for a second. Okay, Three million people trying to put into the people a way of thinking. He's trying to create an independent nation that cannot go borrow money from anybody. They have to have a system that's, that's going to give them the power to do what they need to get done. Without this in place, they're not going to get anywhere. And so God says, I need to put a system in place that they, they've been familiar with if they know their history. 
and it's going to be a tithing system. Now, I want to be, be clear about this. This is the conversation that God has with the Levites and Moses, and this conversation is fascinating. There's a lot I can do, and I really forced myself to just read these few verses and just stay here and just briefly explain it and then just kind of move on. But I want you to hear this conversation with Moses and the Levites. Now, the Levites are one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Here's what he says to this tribe. He's going to say to them, you don't get any inheritance in the land. You're going to go conquer the land. All the other tribes, all 11 tribes will get something. They'll all get land and and they'll, you know, the tribe of Gad will be over here and Judah will be over here and everybody's going to get land, but not you. Your job is to manage the spiritual welfare of the nation of Israel. That's your job. And I want that to be a full-time job for you. So I want you to notice that God wanted them to focus on one thing. Now, look with me at verse 18, chapter 18 of, of Numbers, verse 21. Behold, I've given the children of Levi... What did he give them? All the tithes in Israel as a what? Inheritance and return for the work which they perform. The work of the tabernacle of meeting. Pause right there. Now, this is a very difficult concept for some people to, to, to consider. But all I want you to do is have a money conversation with me for a minute. I want to show you what God established. I didn't establish it. I'm just a guy reporting the news. He understood that in order for Israel to really accomplish the things that they were going to accomplish, somebody had to focus on the spiritual development. I want, you to, I, want, I want you to listen to the rest of this. This is amazing. Now, I want you to be a Levite for a minute. Everybody raise your right hand. I hereby make you a Levite, okay? Here's what it says. Behold, I've given, when I say Levite, hold your hand up, you ready? Behold, I've given the children of Levi, that's you, okay? All the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, for the work of the tabernacle, for the work in the church. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall, have, shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting. They shall not, least they bear sin and die. So they, they were not allowed to come in and do the daily sacrifices. That was something that only the Levites could do. If you tried it, you'd die. Okay, it's pretty clear. You got that? Verse 23. The Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall... Bear, they, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statue forever. How long will it be? Forever. Throughout your generation. That among the children of Israel, they shall have what? No inheritance. Now, I want you to pause. Let's put that in context. Okay? Here's what that means. You get nothing. You get no land. You get, you get no cash. No, no matter how many battles you guys win, you get absolutely nothing. Okay? You with me? So let's say where you work, okay? You work there, all right? And you, don't get, you get no paycheck. Are you tracking with me? Your brother gets paychecks, everybody else gets paychecks, but you get absolutely nothing. Here's what he said. Keep reading with me, all right? Now, I can read a lot of verses on this, but I just want to just get to the point. He said, verse 24, for the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I've given to the Levites. Now, you got to pause and understand. What they would do is they bring, they bring their offering in, right? And let's say they, they would offer, um, if they had uh, 100 cows, they'd give, they'd give 10. And they would take some of those animals and offer them as sacrifice, and they'd heave it up before God as an offering. So he says, he was painting a picture for them. This is your responsibility. This is where your inheritance is. I've given to the Levites and as an inheritance. Therefore, I said to them, among the children of Israel, again, they shall have no what? 
inheritance. Here's what he says before you go any farther. Stay with me for a minute. Here's the point. Technically, they couldn't start a business. Technically, they couldn't have any entrepreneurial dreams. Technically, their focus was one thing. They couldn't go out and, and start a cattle business. They couldn't do any of that. They could not claim anything at all, no matter how much they won in battle. They could only, the only way they were taken care of was through the tithe. Tithes were established for that purpose. Now, I want you to be clear about that. And let me say what a tithe is. So some people say tithes, T-I-E-S, and all that. No, it's not a tithe, okay? It's tithe. Say with me, please, come on. Tithe. This is God saying, let me tell you how much to give. You make a dollar, I want you to give me 10. I want, you to, I want you to put me first. Now, here's, here's why he did it this way. you got to have a starting point. I hear all this talk about tithing the Old Testament and all that, but you missed the point. I think Jesus validated tithing. He says you should pay tithe. You pay tithe of mint, anise, come, and he said to the Pharisees, he said, this you ought to have done not to leave the others undone. Jesus never said, you know, you don't have to tithe. But here's the bigger New Testament principle. The, the New Testament principle is be generous in your giving, and God blesses you. So if you want to throw out the tithing thing, I mean, I'm not going to sweat it. I just think the bottom line is be generous to God. I personally believe tithing is where we start. And I'll show you why in just a moment. But there's a very dangerous principle. I'm sorry, very important principle here. When, I, when, when, when the Levites are not focused on the ministry, the ministry suffers. And God didn't want that to happen. So he sat them down and had a conversation. This is the system I'm putting in place. Now, this is what will work. Here's what he knew would happen. He knew that expenses would come down the road and the ministry would not be this simple. He knew that they couldn't keep doing ministry in tents. He knew that light bills and phone bills and all the other stuff would come. He knew technology would come. He knew that all this would be necessary. He knew that. So he said, what I'm going to do is put a system in place that will last throughout the generations forever. It will, it will bless you, and it will bless the church. It will, bless, it will allow the ministry to go forward. I, I think the enemy has gone after this because he doesn't want two things to happen, ministry to continue and you to be blessed, which brings me to the third conversation. Now, I want to show you how this third conversation ties this activity of tithing to your blessing. And I want you to see this important conversation because it's a conversation that happens between um, Israel and Malachi. Israel has stopped tithing in Malachi chapter 3. They've gotten away from it. That's what happens over time. We start out clearing our minds as a family. This is what we're going to all do, right? We're going to all clean up on Saturday, right? We're going to all do this on Monday, right? We're going to all, right? And then we don't, we, we, we don't do it anymore. And we forget why we established certain principles. This is what we said we're going to do with the children. It's going to be our day, right? Our day, then the kids' day. If you're not careful, you get away from that. Tithing was the same thing. So he sits down, he has a money conversation with them. He says, let me talk to you. And here's what he says. It's really, really pointed. He starts off with a strong statement in the book of Malachi. And the book of Malachi is full of this kind of stuff, you know, where he, he says something. He kind of poses a question. And then says, kind of rhetorical question, will a man rob God? You don't need to answer that. Yes, yet you, he's talking to Israel, Malachi is, have robbed me. Capital M-E, you robbed me. But you say, 
people in Israel were saying, in what way have we robbed you? How have we robbed you? God, what have we done? Pause. He said, you robbed me in tithes and what? Offerings. You stopped something that I told you to continue. Now, what's interesting is this was a strong rebuke, last book in the New Old Testament, strong rebuke with a profound message. The message is pretty simple. He called it robbery. Now, that's a strong word. It's not, it's, it's not the same as, you know, robbery is like in your face. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever been robbed before. I have. It's an amazing experience. You know? I think I've been robbed, let's see, twice. Twice. Yeah, twice. Two times. I was a young kid, and uh, they didn't take much. I just knew to let them have it. It was, um, let me see, I was downtown one time, and, I was, and the guy asked me, can I have a dime? And I gave him a dime, and then his friend came to quarter, and then they was all crips, so I let them have it. I said, well, it's the crips. I ain't going to get beat down over this little bit of change. So they just took all my change, and that was, that was one. But that's a little bit. It wasn't much, right? Next time I had to pay what they told me was a um, uh, tax because I was with this guy who cussed them out the night before, one of my friends, family friends. He, he was drunk, and he cussed them out the night before. So when they saw me the next day, uh, they told me, hey, you're by yourself today. I said, oh, Lord Jesus. I called on God. It was too late. So they said I had to pay a penalty tax. Uh, but that was it. That's about the end of my robbery moments. But, um, you know, when somebody's taking something from you and you're standing there and you know you can't do anything about it, it's a powerful moment. Now, some of you said, no, that ain't no robbery. I really had a robbery. I know that's, that's light. But God called this robbery. In your face, smiling, looking at you, stick them up. Now, I want you to notice he goes on and says this. You robbed me in tithes and offerings. And then he says something that's really kind of harsh in verse 9. You're cursed. Now, some of you think of a witch and all that. Get that out of your mind. He says you're suffering. It's like suffering hardship. You can trace, he says, some of your hardship to this because here's what happens. And he's having this simple money conversation with him. He says, you know, you've excluded me from your money. That's what he's really saying. I'm really not involved in your money. I'm not I'm not first, I'm not second, I'm not third, I'm just kind of, you tip me here and there, it's kind of like whatever, and, and, and so I'm not a part of, of your original plan. And, and this was bad for the nation. This was going to create all kinds of other problems for the nation, and he knew that. And so he said, even uh, for you've robbed me, even not, it wasn't just one person, he said, this, this, this whole nation has done it. It's It's everybody. It's, it's everybody. What's really, really amazing is this conversation was designed to generate an open-minded review of what it would, would have been lost in the nation. And then he says this, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Notice, he didn't allow them to take it anywhere. He said, no, there's a place you bring it. It's your storehouse. I believe there's a principle there. It's where you fed. Somebody often asked me, they said, well, should you tithe at your church or should you tithe? Can you take your tithe and kind of divide it up all over the world? Yeah, you can do your rent the same way. Pay your neighbors. Pay everybody's. I think you pick a place. God, God in Scripture is really big on what tribe you belong to. They were, they were in the nation of Israel. You, you know, there's a place that you are 
and I, I believe in giving. I believe in generous giving. I, I, believe, I believe there's something healthy about that. But I think there's a difference between a tithe and an offering. An offering is what you give freely. It's what you give. What do you want to give? And I, I think a tithe is, is a specific amount that he's he, he described, and there's a linkage to it. Watch what he says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be. Now, here's why you do it. That there, read it with me, please. Come on. That there may be what? Food in my house. See, come on, read it again. That there may be what? Now, I, I think there should be accountability for that. I think you should really buy food with it. I don't think you should just go buy things that aren't, you know, you shouldn't waste it. There should be good stewardship. And try me, now I love this statement, because he said, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And here's what he promised. You don't find anything as strong as this anywhere in the Bible that's as potent as this in this conversation. He says, see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings as you will not have room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Look at the supernatural promise. And all the nations will call you what? Blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Man, that's a tough conversation to have with anybody. Well, our time is up. I pray you were blessed by what you heard today. You know, you can make a decision to turn your life in a new direction and find the peace that God has for your life. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.